Hey everyone, before we kick off the show, we wanted to remind you all that we now have a Patreon. That's right, with tiers starting at just a dollar, you can access a whole slew of Patreon-exclusive content, like articles and even full bonus episodes. On the bonus shows, we'll be talking about anything and everything from retro video games, toys, movies, TV, junk food, anything we find interesting enough that we can't manage to squeeze into our normal shows. The Patreon will help to support us and keep the show going. So if you have the means or the interest, please consider joining. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash leftover pizza club. And that's not the only way that you can support us. Something as simple as leaving a review for the show and subscribing will help us to keep growing and bringing you more content for years to come. And while we're at it, check out our social media at leftover pizza podcast on Instagram and TikTok, at leftover pizza club on Twitter. And of course, if you join the leftover pizza club group on Facebook, we'll send you a free sticker for joining. Lastly, you can check out our website, leftoverpizzaclub.com, for free articles, merch, and more. And as always, thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Damn, did we just crush that in one go? Welcome, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Leftover Pizza Podcast. We've got a new topic that we haven't hit yet before, and I think this is going to be a great time. And that topic is what, Derek? Intergalactic brethren from another metherin. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, extraterrestrials, Martians, aliens, whatever your word is for them. We are talking alien life forms of pop culture. Oh, yeah. This is such a broad term. I mean, there's so many fucking aliens out there going into this. I knew there was going to be a lot. It's one of them things where we were both actually talking a few moments ago, and it's like, when you're thinking of it, not all of them come to mind, but while you're just kind of going through the motions, more and more come out to you. And I can't believe how many things, how many aliens I've thought about that I didn't have in my notes right here, right now. But uh, if the demand is there, we'll circle around on this topic once or twice. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, think of how popular aliens are and how popular aliens were when we were growing up. Like, they've always been, a you know, a hot topic, especially since the Roswell, New Mexico incident. But it seemed like that really hit its peak in the early 90s and uh, early 2000s, you know, between that period of time. And I think we have things like Men in Black, X-Files, uh, even going far further back, you know, like I think you, you mentioned the Great Gazoo at one point when we were talking offline. Uh, I did, yes. And even, you know, Eiffel 65, their weird little blue alien men in the music <laughs> video. Yeah, right, right. So... All the important ones. Yeah, oh yeah. So they've always been important, but they really seem to hit a peak of importance when we were growing up. So, I mean, we each only have uh, four picks tonight, so eight picks total. But that being said, all of these picks are great. We love them. 
I just thought of so many more that we could talk about. So I feel like it's inevitable that we hit a part two at some point. Absolutely. So if you guys want a part two after this show, please let us know. Yeah. Use your alien technology to beam your thoughts and your opinions directly yeah. to our brains <laughs> and, uh, you know, brainwash us, influence us. We're, we're receptive. We've got the little antennae on the top of our head. We'll, we'll receive the message. So just don't probe us. Speak for yourself. That'd be weird. That'd be weird. <laughs> 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 uh, well, without anything further, I believe I went first last time, so I'm uh I'm putting you up first. That's all right. I'm ready to go. I'm ripping. I'm I'm ready for this topic. All right. Well, let's hear your first pick. So what you all just heard was the theme song for this little old show that only got one season way back in 2001, ended in 2002, called But Ugly Martians. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) This this was a wild pick. I I didn't see this one coming, but I'm glad that you picked it because it gave me a reason to go back and, you know, revisit something that I've seen everywhere but didn't necessarily know exactly what it was. So I'm I'm really excited to get into this one. Yeah. So, I mean, just to start, again, you're a little bit older than I was. So this is probably when this came out a little bit past – your age group, it probably wouldn't have hit for you. So you you probably weren't watching this back then. You might have caught glimpses, but I can't imagine that you were sitting down watching this every weekend. Definitely not sitting around watching this every weekend. Yeah. All right. So just to give a quick summary, uh, the Butt Ugly Martians, or (laughs) B-U-M. Yes. Like, (laughs) it was like, bum. Are you kidding me? Like, uh, we're we're on the tail end of that Nickelodeon gross out weirdness that we loved when we yeah. were kids, and this is being very blatant about the fact that they're trying to make a butt joke with the butt ugly Martians. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, the butt ugly Martians are forced to invade planets for the evil Emperor Bog. I just want to touch on that for a second. Why is it always an evil Emperor? And why do they always have a fucking like, name like Bog or like Zerg? Bog or Zerg. Or like... What was the one from uh, Fifth Element? Oh, man. You're putting me on the spot now. Is it Korg? Korg? Like the keyboards? K-O- K-O-R-G. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, I feel like his name is Korg yeah, or something. He was, uh, dude with the weird black he hair. He was the ruler of synthesizers throughout the universe and galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <sighs> but anyways, when the ugly Martians are sent to Earth, they become addicted to American culture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <The> hell. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, you know, we were going to destroy it, but we really fell in love with Nirvana Live Unplugged in New York, and we just kind of stayed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. We we got a glimpse of OK Soda, and we, <laughs> That's we're, here we're, we're here to stay. We're here. We're here to stay. So, deciding not to hurt Earth, they simply pretend to be occupying the planet for Bog. They are shown around their Earthling friends, Mike, Cedric, and Angela. 
The but ugly Martians continue to hang out on Earth as long as Emperor Bog never finds out. So that's the description of the series. The first thing I want to touch on is what you guys just heard at the beginning of this segment. The theme song. Uh, listen, I mean, it is a theme song. It does technically serve as a theme song, and it is a little bit catchy with that da 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 Oh, yeah, da. very catchy. You know, it's very catchy, but when you actually look at the lyrics to the theme song, I, I just am like, what the fuck? Who wrote this? You know, like, it just seemed like whoever was making this show from start to finish thought that they had it all figured out, and actually, I did find out on YouTube one of the, um, People who worked on the show kind of confirmed that, that the uh, supposedly the showrunner here didn't really take or wasn't really receptive to um, criticism and how to, how to make things oh, better. So he's getting pissed off behind scenes. Yeah. So apparently they just were like, that's it. This is my idea. We're running with it. Don't don't question it. Um, and that all kind of comes out in the theme song. Uh, here are some lyrics. We don't really want a war. I just want a hoverboard. We don't want to conquer Earth. And uh, this next line, just keep in mind, it's the fat alien saying this. I just want to fill my girth. Girth? I don't want to hear girth. <laughs> I, I don't want to hear girth. He's just trying to fill his girth. Ugh, God, it's so fucking <laughs> gross. And that alien, by the way, it's not him, but he sort of has like a Brad Garrett voice going on. So they just made him that big, big fat alien like that. Yeah, I, I that now um I don't know who the actor is, but I'm pretty sure it's the same person who voiced Fatso in the like third iteration of Casper. Okay, well I could see that. So they're just type voice typecasting at that point. They're like, well, we got one fat guy here is just gonna translate to this fat guy over here. Yeah. So, anyways, I just wanted to touch on that because you know lyrics just. Something else. All right. Just on another level. But I ended up rewatching the pilot for this episode just to refresh myself. And I know that you watched the pilot for the first time ever, I'm assuming. First time ever. Yeah. I watched it yesterday just before this. I almost missed out. I'm glad I watched it, though. Uh, we're we're going to talk about it. It's uh, I. <laughs> <laughs> so, listen, I remember this being a Saturday morning cartoon for me. I wasn't in love with it, but it was something that I watched. And I think as we, again, talked about offline, for a show that was only on for a year, that wasn't received particularly well, it had kind of a mini stranglehold on pop culture, which is super impressive for a show that's not good and wasn't around very long. <laughs> it, it, it managed to get three VHS tape releases Three video games, a PS2 game, a Game Boy Advance game, and a PC game. And it also managed to get a toy line and a Burger King tie-in all within the span of that one year. Wow. I didn't know that that was like the extent of it. I remember seeing toys and I remember t-shirts. And I'm pretty sure that's the reason that I even knew about these things. And the Bur- I remember the Burger King thing, too. Like, yeah. those are the only three things I really remember about this. And I never knew what it was. Well, that's uh, OK. So for those of you who haven't seen the show and you're trying really hard to picture this in the intro of the show, we mentioned the Eiffel 65 aliens from that uh, music video. It's basically that. They're blue aliens. They are but ugly. I will give them that. And it is very, 
very shitty CG. Like, the worst CG that we've ever seen. Think reboot meets, like, I don't know. It's like it's trying to be Jimmy Neutron almost, but like way worse, way worse than what you're way worse than Jimmy Neutron. That's for sure. But um, like other it it just was very reminiscent of other early CGI TV shows like Saturday morning cartoons. So think reboot, like Grimey said, think Transformers Beast Wars, think Cubics and Max Steel. Those are some more deep cuts. But again, those are some shows that I also watched on Saturday mornings in the early 2000s. So the visuals of the show are very low quality, even, you know, for the for the time, like they really weren't even up to the CGI standards of the time. They were quite a few years back. You know what it actually looks like is it kind of reminds me of Johnny Quasar. You remember that? The the short. No, I'm drawing that, a blank. It's just a short that aired in or maybe it didn't even air in the mid 90s over on Nickelodeon that was actually the blueprint for Jimmy Neutron boy why does it doesn't even sound familiar to me I'm like I'm gonna send you just a picture I'm sure if I I see a picture it'll jog some kind of memory oh wow but this has like kind of has Jimmy Neutron vibes as well like especially the dog looks exactly like Goddard well it is Jimmy Neutron Neutron. it was Jimmy Neutron before Jimmy Neutron became a thing oh it was like it was like sort of a pilot type of a thing for Jimmy Neutron oh yeah yeah well, I know Nickelodeon's pretty famous for shit like that. Like the uh, even Pete and Pete, they did they were just shorts before they became an actual TV show. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So that's where that's where that started. Um, Very cool. So yeah, the whole point being the CGI is not great. And to that point, did you notice when you watched that pilot that at certain points it was hitting like thirteen frames a second? Like it, it was not oh, yeah. buttery smooth. Yeah. It was chugging along. No. <laughs> Yeah, very glitchy, very, very, uh, yeah, not smooth. I put it, I put it this way. Um, Rankin Bass has shitty stop motion animation, (laughs) but it's endearing. You know, like you watch Rudolph and you're like, this was done on a crazy budget, but like there's something about it that's charming (laughs) and cute. Yeah, you appreciate the inconsistencies. This, right. it's just like, no, nope, these are just really bad inconsistencies. <laughs> so, somebody could not render this properly. They need to go back yep. and try it again. <laughs> yep. And all I'm picturing is that guy behind his desk, like, I don't care. This is it. It's going. The kids are going to love it, too. <laughs> I don't, I've been you working can't tell for me otherwise. 18 hours already. We're getting this out the door. I got to go sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, all that being said, um, it's still not good. <laughs> well, well, I tell you what, I went into this not knowing who any of the uh, voice actors were going to be. And somehow I was just like, you know what? I'm pretty sure Rob Paulson's going to show up in this. And mm-hmm. he plays two different voices. He plays two voices? I'm pretty sure. Maybe it's not two voices. I want to say he plays, is he's R2 or okay. RT yeah. or whatever his name is. But the kid with the goggles that's sitting on the couch in the, the first episode. Pretty sure that's him too. Oh, okay, it is because I have a note here where I said Rob Paulson sounding like the world's oldest preteen in this show. That's yes, absolutely. That's my note. <laughs> that's right too, because yeah, they have him playing a kid, and I'm like, that he doesn't even sound like a kid. Like I, I can't even picture this kid being a kid. Not at all. It's just like Raphael through and through. He just plays Raphael for every character he plays. It's so good. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, uh, the, the whole plot of the pilot, at least, is that 
the Martians are, you know, faking a video to send back to Emperor Bog to, to show him that they're destroying the planet, uh, even though uh, that's not what they're doing. So they're doing it on a green screen and they're recording themselves and then they have to beam up a DVD. This is how 2000s, 2000s it is. <laughs> DVD. They have to go to their teen friend's house to beam up the DVD of the fake footage of them destroying Earth because their satellite dish broke and he has satellite TV. So that's how they're planning on getting the DVD up to Emperor Buck. <laughs> I, wow. I, I, I don't know, man. Uh, um, so again, I think that But Ugly Martians, now that I've watched it again with fresh eyes, never a favorite of mine can't imagine that it was a favorite of anyone's it was there to sort of fill a uh time slot of my saturday morning when i probably just was enjoying the fact that i, I was watching anything at all so you know i don't know it, what you're talking about I, I i watched one episode it's already my favorite <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah that doesn't shock me that uh, yeah. what do you mean this is a cinematic masterpiece how did this not win any i don't know yeah. emmys daytime emmy awards it's awful, but if I can go back and watch Reboot, I think I can watch at least one season of this. So Wow, you're going to commit to a whole season. I watched I'm, the pilot I'm, and I said, yeah, it's, that's it. I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to give it a go, I think. Well, best of luck to you. I won't be giving it a go. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'll go back and watch Cubics, but I'm not watching any more <laughs> bum. <laughs> Recently, one of Subway's best customers suggested we offer our turkey breast sub with chips and a drink at a special price. He also suggested a name for this meal deal breakthrough. Abundant food consumables with potato wafers and enlarged fluid unit. Not bad, but we call it the mass quantities meal deal. It's for anyone who has a hearty appetite. Or like my friend here, comes from France. Get a Coneheads Collector Cup with a mass quantities meal deal at Subway. The place where fresh is the taste. While supplies last. My first pick, I wanted to start this one off with a banger. I mean, it's hard following up with Butt Ugly Aliens, but, uh, oh, wait, sorry, Butt, butt Ugly Martians? Is it bum? Yeah, if you're That's gonna, right. if you're gonna <laughs> get it, you gotta get it right, you know? I, it might be bad, but you have to at least get it right. Right, right. Okay, so it might not be able to compete with bum, <laughs> but, uh, I think I think they'll they'll throw a hard fight, and that's Coneheads. Who doesn't like Coneheads? Uh, I've I used to watch Coneheads all the time. Did you ever watch Coneheads? Were you more familiar with the movie or the SNL skits by chance? Okay, so you said who doesn't like Coneheads, and um, I raised my hand. So that should be indicative. Listen, I will say to be fair, I've never actually given the movie a go, but. When I was a kid, and listen, my threshold for stupid was very high when I was a kid, <laughs> and I loved classic SNL. That's how I'm going to preface this. Whenever a Coneheads sketch would come on on my Time Life SNL DVDs, he was uh, like, specifically, eh, skip. Yeah, I just never got into uh, it. I just always thought that it was me. stupid. I don't know. Uh. Maybe as an adult, I would like it better. I haven't given it a shot since I was a kid, but I just remember when I was a kid, if a conehead sketch would come on, I'd sort of roll my eyes and be like, I'm going to go bury my face in my Game Boy for five minutes. Oh, man. Killing me small. So, okay, you've never watched the movie before? I haven't. So sell me on it. So that's what the whole segment's about. Sell me oh, on Conehead. you've never watched the movie ever? No, no. Not oh because I didn't like okay. the skits, you see? So so now you can sell me on the movie. Okay, okay. So this is perfect jumping off point right here. So uh, the skits, believe it or not, 
They started as far back as 1977. This thing has been alive and well for a very long time, like before I was born. So like, I'm just assuming, and I didn't really, I'm not familiar with the skits that much, to be honest. I've watched like one or two, not near as good as the movie, in my opinion. Same basic humor, but like, they just amped this movie right up. Okay, see, that's fair, because that's a common theme with SNL things. Like, yes. I love Wayne's World. Yeah. I am a Wayne's World aficionado. I don't think many of the skits reach anywhere near the heights that the movies do. No. Right? And same thing with, like, even Night at the Roxbury. The skits, yeah, okay, oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a fine, you know, four-minute giggle, but, like, the movie, pretty damn good. SNL as a whole, like, some of it's fine. Other times, I'm just like, eh. I'd rather just watch the movie, and Coneheads is a perfect example. So anybody who doesn't know, Coneheads, they're portrayed by Dan Aykroyd as Father Beldar, uh, Jane Curtin as Mother Primat, and Lorraine Newman as Daughter Connie. Now, this this is the, the skits. Later on, they end up doing this movie in 1990, I believe, so then in 1993, Aykroyd and Curtin, they both reprise their roles. They switch out Newman for Michelle Burke to play the daughter, Connie. The way they talk, for one, it's very nasally and it's very, very quick. They kind of talk like nerds, I guess, but like monotone nerds. just like quick, quick, quick. So they talk like your tax guy. Pretty much, yeah. Or like those people <laughs> at the end of the uh, advertisements or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, warning like you of that. all of the, the dangers yeah, of smoking yeah. cigarettes. Yeah, all the warnings taking... and stuff. Yeah. And I love the way that they adapted the English language. Like, for instance, eggs are chicken embryos, and breakfast is consumption of mass quantities. Connie, the daughter, refers to her parents as parental units. I, I just, I find that really, really uh, comical. I love that everything is just so... Like they've broken down every, yeah, very little, uh, Mm -hmm. every term is broken down to its core, like just goofy. Then there's the fact that they like, they blend in with certain humans, I guess, like their neighbors, they're aware that their like head is humongous and they never seem to question it (laughs) at all. Like, I I just feel like, I think that's goofy as shit. Just like, I I know that if I had a neighbor with a cone head, I would probably say something, but clearly they're just blending in. (laughs) Everything's fine. They can get jobs and stuff. Super weird. Yo, Patrick Starr, what the fuck is up with that five head? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I can just hear you now. You're just yelling across your picket fence. <laughs> there's there's one point in the film where someone actually, they acknowledge how big the one guy's head is, like Beldar's head. They're like, dude, what's with the head? And it's, that's it. It just like stops and then walks away. <laughs> it's so fucking goofy. <laughs> I just want to bring up the fact that the early 90s was uh, apparently the peak of head humor, because not only are you saying that it was, you know, funny and um, they're making jokes about the size of their head in Coneheads, but if we think back to So I Married an Axe Murderer, uh, Mike Myers, when he's playing when he's playing his dad, you know, and he's oh, talking Jesus. about how big, how big the kid's head is, yeah. that thing's like an orange on a yeah. toothpick. <laughs> <laughs> head, move. Oh, yeah. what else uh the chewing gum so uh, there's one point where he's in a taxi with sinbad and he's chewing uh, a condom because he thinks it's chewing gum oh yeah sinbad is in this he's his first boss in the movie he's uh i don't remember exactly he like fixes small electronics or something i don't know he's like fixing a toaster in the one scene 
Oh my god. All you had to do to sell me on this movie was say Sinbad is in it, and I'm there. Oh, so like other actors? Well, Sinbad's in there. Adam Sandler's uh-huh. in there. Like there's a slew <laughs> of just random people that I, I never picked up on when I was a kid watching this. But now that I see it, I'm just like, wow, like all these fucking actors that I love, they're all in here somehow. I'm noticing your note here about Connie and her boyfriend. I guess that's another cameo. Yeah. Uh, Chris Farley. He's he's a pretty big character. I mean, he's one of the main characters. Not I don't I don't want to say main character. He's a main side character, if that makes any sense. Supporting character. They have bigger appetites than humans, which brings me to this, probably my favorite commercial in the history of commercials ever. Uh, So in the movie, Connie and Ronnie, who is played by Chris Farley, they go to Subway. Connie picks up this 12-inch sub and just fucking scarfs it. (laughs) I remember seeing this as a kid. I was like, I think I can do that and like failing miserably. I'm like, no, this, this will never work. I don't even understand. Like, is and I remember asking my mom, like, is that a thing people can do? And she's like, no, this is a movie. You're an idiot. <laughs> so naturally, Subway takes full advantage of this. They do this whole tie-in. And the commercial starts that this guy, they the Subway claims they recently had one of their best customers suggest this new meal. They offer their 12-inch turkey breast sub with chips and a drink at a special price. They also suggested that they name the meal Abundant food consumables with potato wafers and large fluid unit, which is just <laughs> fucking amazing. I love it. Gross. I don't ever want to hear the term fluid unit again. Fluid unit, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's super fucked up. I never want up. to hear that again. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, it still came in like, I don't know, a Conehead's cup, if you've ever seen them online. But I feel like they could have went the extra mile and like really played up on the fluid unit. Like, what if it came in like a, I don't know... Like an IV bag or something. What if I'm fucking awesome? I, I guess, but that's just, that's putting a lot of faith in your customers that they're not going to like be so turned off by the idea that you're Grossed calling out. their drink a fluid unit. Fluid unit. Like, that's a big swing. The guy goes on in the commercial to say, instead, they name it Mass Quantities Meal Deal, which sounds pretty cool. I don't know. I love, I love the tie-in. I absolutely love the tie-in. Yeah. Uh, but then to complete the commercial, he then passes this sub to Beldar, his friend from France, he says. And he proceeds to do the exact same thing that happens in the movie with Connie. He just fucking tosses this sandwich down like it's nothing. Super amazing. Fucking love it. Yep. Just deep throats that meat. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, if that didn't sell you on Coneheads, I don't know what will, man. I really, <laughs> I really don't. No idea. Uh, listen, the more you're talking about, especially with all the other, uh, you know, people who pop up, I might be there at least for one viewing. I think you've probably sold me. I- I'll give it one go, just for you. And right. Hopefully, it's as good as you say. Otherwise, I'm, I'm gonna make you swallow a subway sandwich whole. I guess I don't. I don't know. What whatever a fitting punishment <laughs> would be. <laughs> Contact has been made. I am from the planet Mars. And Tim O'Hara. Let me down! As you wish! Has the bruises to prove it. Hey, spaceman! Sorry about that. On February 12th. Martin! A Martian's moving in. Where's the alien? Uh oh, we're in trouble. And an Earthling's life. Everything okay in there? Will be changed forever. Except for trouble. Disney's My Favorite Martian, rated PG, starts Friday, February 12th. All right, so you talked about one of your favorite alien movies. I'm going to talk about one of my favorite alien movies. 
This is one that I think at the time was pretty popular, but I don't ever see it get mentioned anymore. It's funny, though, because whenever you bring it up online, there's always like 10 people who come out of the woodwork and go, oh, my God, I forgot all about this. I loved it. I'm, of course, talking about 1999's My Favorite Martian, starring Christopher Lloyd as the titular Martian, Jeff Daniels, Elizabeth Hurley, Daryl Hannah, Wallace Shawn, and even fucking Beans from Even Stevens. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that movie. I heard they're going to do a, a second one, and they're going to do Orbits. They're going to bring Orbits back for it or something like that. Oh, my God, dude. Get <laughs> off it already. They're not bringing Orbits back. I'm pretty sure they're going to, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, your inside source is telling you yeah. that it's coming back, yeah. Yeah, he drinks that lava lamp. Yeah, okay, I was going to say, there's a way to tie it in. There's definitely a way to tie it in. So, anyways... Before we get into the movie and why it's so good and why I love it, um, I'll give a little bit of a uh, synopsis here. Life couldn't get much worse for news producer Tim O'Hara. That is Jeff Daniels' character. He humiliates the one he loves, who, again, is Elizabeth Hurley. He is dating Elizabeth Hurley in this. Brace Channing, that's her name, and ends up getting fired by her father. Then, a Martian from Mars arrives in his home. The Martian adopts the name Uncle Martin and becomes friends with Tim while he fixes his ship. Because, again, the ship crashed. Unaware to Martin, Tim actually wants to reveal him to the world. But can he actually do that to his new friend and quote-unquote uncle? So, it might be a little bit confusing because of how they're trying to really condense everything down. But, yeah. So, Uncle Martin... The Martian, Christopher Lloyd, his ship crashes at, uh, I don't know if it's at his house, but he he makes his way to Jeff Daniels' house, and they sort of become fast friends, but that's the whole thing. Tim O'Hara, Jeff Daniels, is trying to exploit the fact that he found the first alien, like the first Martian, and he has proof of it, and he's taking all these little candid videos of the Martian and doing weird things, making shit levitate. Um, we'll get to it in a little bit, but he's just being a goofball doing some weird alien shit. Um, and there's just a lot of scenes that the ones that I can remember that are just burned into my brain. Um, the main part that really is burned into my brain is Martin's suit, who they call Zoot. That's his name. Zoot Suit. Oh yeah. So Um, played, played by Wayne Knight. So it's a... Anthropom- what's that word? Anthropomorphic? Anthropomorphic? I, that right? I, th- I think I did. Uh, suit that, yes, Mar- Martin wears. But even when he takes it off, Zoot can walk around and talk on his own. And he's got a personality not dissimilar to Newman on Seinfeld. Um, you know, played by the same guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very similar. You're right. But it's just this really bright, silver, futuristic space suit. And he just gets into a bunch of hijinks of his own. Like there's that one point where he's in the washing machine and he's washing himself, but he's doing it like it's a hot tub and and stuff like that. So that sticks out in my mind. And then, of course, what you brought up, Grimey, the scene where we see Martin drinking a lava lamp. Drinking the lava lamp. Oh, man. And ever since then, I've been obsessed with the idea of drinking a lava lamp. You know you're not supposed to do that, though? (laughs) Really? You're not supposed to drink a lava lamp? Not supposed to. No, I looked it up on YouTube and they told me no. 
<laughs> yeah, but I mean, you you can always just drink one, right? Like you can always drink like one lava lamp. It might be I mean, the last lava lamp you ever drink, but you could technically do it. I do got one here to the left of me, and it's uh, looking pretty scrumptious, if I do say so myself. I'll bet you one VHS copy of My Favorite Martian if you take a swig out of that right now. Perfect. Do you know what always stuck out to me? What stuck out to you? Nurplex. Oh, the gum? The, the bubble gum. gum? The motherfucking oh. gum turns you into a monster or depending on which one you eat, there's different Nurplexes. <laughs> First of all, Nurplex looked so fucking scrumptious. Oh. <laughs> I... I don't know what it was in the way that Christopher Lloyd pops yeah. that gum in his mouth with one finger yeah. like this, <laughs> like that, and goes, and yeah. then the, the noise that he makes, and he starts smacking it, like, and you go, yeah. that's got to be some good Nurplex. Mm-hmm. All right. I, yeah. Mm, well, not I to mention, it. before it's chewed up, it looks really cool. It's like the forbidden everlasting gobstopper. Yes, you are so right. And the container that the Nurplex comes in. <laughs> It's like a very futuristic version of uh, an ice breakers container. Yeah. Well, it's just part of his suit, isn't it? Yeah, but it comes out and goes like this, and he pops it out okay. and he opens it up, yeah, you're right. like a, like an ice, you know, like yeah. a, an icebreakers container. And I'm yeah. like, well, that is the most expensive icebreakers I've ever seen in my life. I need to have those. I need them in my body now. That's the whole way that uh, Martin is able to keep human form. He's he's chewing Nurplex the whole time. Right. He's chewing gum, and that's what keeps him looking like Doc from Back to the Future, you know? Doc. <laughs> Doc <laughs> Brown. Uh, yeah, Doc Brown. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, uh, Nurplex, absolutely. The part that I was sort of obsessed with when I was a kid that I do remember is the ice cream store The part. ice cream shop. Classic. Mm-hmm. The ice cream shop where Christopher Lloyd discovers the wonders that are ice cream. And yeah. he just starts like levitating all of the ice cream in the store around him and just sucking down like fucking scoops and scoops. And then he gets so fat from it. And <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot that. <laughs> they want you to think that it's gross because of how he looks. And I just remember being like, listen, I want as much ice cream that that he ate, oh, yeah. if not more. I want to yeah. slurp down some ice cream and chew Nurplex. I want Nurplex mm-hmm. ice cream, and then I want to wash it all down with a lava lamp. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, like, listen, if every Saturday evening or afternoon or whatever could be exactly like that scene where it's just fucking globs of ice cream levitating everywhere, I'd have a better day. <laughs> You'd have a better day, yes. I'd have a better time. So, uh, quickly, I'll mention, not that I've ever seen it, but My Favorite Martian, this movie is based off of a 1960s TV series of the same name with a very similar concept. It was a sitcom, and Martin in that version, um, he had little antenna, and we actually do see the antenna pop up at a certain point Mm -hmm. in this movie on Christopher Lloyd. They look like little TV rabbit ears that pop up. Um, But this, this movie was really cool because... My parents are actually the ones who bought the movie because my parents watched this show when they were kids. Um, and this movie actually serves as a sequel to that series because the original Martin or Martian, I don't know if his name was Martin in it, does actually show up and play a fairly important role in this movie where you oh, think yeah. that he's hunting a Martian. Um, but it turns out he's actually just trying to help Martin get back home. So – It's pretty cool how they made that tie where they could have just done this as the standard 90s reboot thing, 
but they didn't. They actually turned it into a sequel. So I guess if you like this, you could always seek out the 60s show and sort of do a marathon run ending with that movie. That's crazy. I never knew that. So fucking, what's his name? Neener? Neener is the uh, the Martian in the old series. Yeah, yeah, the old the old guy with the uh, with the glasses and the trench coat. That's actually the Super Martian cool. from the original series. So, oh my God, very cool. And I will end by saying, if you don't watch the full movie, the only thing that you need to watch, go on YouTube. You can find it really easy. Is the hot tub scene? Hot tub scene <laughs> is iconic and a little creepy in all the best ways. Yeah, it's a little. Very weird, candid shot. Very, very strange. It's very, it's very Girls Gone Wild meets Christopher Lloyd, if that's what you're into. I'd say less Girls Gone Wild and more One Night in Paris. <laughs> if that, hey, if that doesn't make you want to watch my favorite Martian, I don't know what will. NBC Trilogy. Sunday, it's an all-new Third Rock, a full hour of Third Rock. Sally's getting ready for her big ballet premiere. Isn't it cute? Look at me, damn it! I'm your little princess! And Harry's working for Dick. Oh, great. Can we get Nina back? What do you want me to do? Crawl on my hands and knees? <laughs> oh, good. That'll work. All new NBC Sunday. All right, Derek, my next pick is the Solomon family from Third Rock from the Sun. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Liz Lemon and then Alec Baldwin's character... And like no, 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 not 30 Rock, Third Rock from the Sun. Oh, <laughs> the one with the Coneheads lady in it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Believe it or not, they actually, uh, the same people that wrote Coneheads wrote this show. Okay. See, you should have mentioned that in the Coneheads section because that might have sold me even more back then. But now yeah, I think true. I'm fully on board for both because I really do love Third Rock as much as I joke about it. Like, what a great fucking show. Oh, my God. I can't believe how many people don't talk about it now. Like, does it not deserve respect or what? Like, you guys hate John Lithgow that much? Like, he's a good dude. Put some respect. What a cast, by the way. Put some yeah. respect on that mm-hmm. cast. John Lithgow. Yep. Kristen Johnston. French Stewart. My favorite fucking French Stewart. French that Stewart. man does not get mm-hmm. enough respect. And, of course, uh, Robin or, you know. He played Robin, right? <laughs> he was Robin and fucking Batman. It, technically, whatever. he was technically Robin in The Dark yeah. Knight Rises there. Yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. What an awesome show. Perfect cast. I agree. Uh, perfect evening TV show. I remember watching this all the time. This, It was, a, what, it was a, an NBC show from like 96 until 2001, but this could have easily fit in like a TGIF kind of thing. I just... Perfect sitcom vibe. Really, really enjoyable show. It's got very similar vibes to the Drew Carey show, which yeah. it, it's it's like a standard sitcom until it's not. Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because sometimes the Drew Carey show got weird, too. Do you remember right. the Looney Tunes crossover that Drew Carey did at one point? I don't remember that. I'm going to have to send it to you. But basically, they did a live action cartoon blending thing like Roger Rabbit where Daffy Duck shows up. At Drew oh. Carey's office. And the two of them are going back and forth. And uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, Drew Carey gets weird. And then Third third Rock also gets weird. So they're like, we're friends. And eventually Will and Grace were like the standard, like normal sitcoms. These ones were like, we've got a fucking concept and we're getting crazy with it. Oh, yeah. And they do. They absolutely do. So... 
you haven't seen Third Rock from the Sun before, uh, the Solomon family are a group of four aliens on an expedition to Earth, which they consider to be a very dumb and insignificant planet. They pose as a human family to observe the behavior of human beings. So, Rick Solomon, uh, he's a teacher. That's the character who uh, is played by John Lithgow. And Tommy, who's played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he's a student. He kind of observes the child aspect of human being life sally played by johnston uh she's the only female out of the four so like she just kind of does female things and french stewart's just there to get funky <laughs> for the most part he's really <laughs> french stewart's just an idiot and he's embracing being an idiot you know he's just yeah. like a tv watching snack eating weirdo who just does offbeat things all the time and i love him for it I think what's his name harry harry, harry. Solomon. oh my mm-hmm. god he always has that big fucking furry jacket on oh my god best character ever <laughs> what a what a choice what a creative decision that they made all the better yeah. for it too so they uh they chill out on the roof and look at the stars every single night and their leader is a big giant head uh, but perhaps the most interesting thing about them is they're aliens, but you never see them in alien form. And like, you know, I know a lot of people, they remember seeing this genie movie with Sinbad and Berenstein Bears were all completely mm. different named or whatever. Like they, they had an EI instead of an AI or whatever. I swear I thought for sure that we see them in their alien form at one point in time. You don't. So you you were doing the thing that this girl in my first grade class did when she came in one day and was adamant that she had a game girl at home. And we a were game like, girl? <laughs> no, that's not a thing. And she goes, yes, it is. And I was like, no, it's not. I said, then what does it look like? She says, pink. And it says game girl on it. I said, no, it doesn't. She yeah, said, yes, it does. No and then she kept up with it forever. You know, so so you've tricked yourself into thinking that you've seen the alien version of the Solomon family. Yeah, I definitely and I don't even remember what I pictured back in the day. But like at the same time, it's kind of the beauty part about the show is like it kind of leaves that open for the imagination. Like, what do they look like? What would you think they would look like? Do they look more like a conehead? Do they look more like fucking uh, Uncle Martin? Like. Do they look like E.T.? You know, it, it leaves a lot open for interpretation, especially uh, the big giant head. I always have been dying to know, like, what the fuck is with the big giant head? I feel like the the giant head he, it looks like one of two things. He either yeah. looks like the head. Remember that old um, MTV show? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The head. The head. Mm-hmm. I feel like he either looks like the head or or he looks like Modoc. Do you know who Modoc is? Yeah, yeah. From, from Marvel. Yeah. 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 Totally. I feel like he could possibly look like that, similar mm-hmm. to that. But I, I guess that is the beauty of it. We never see the big giant head. Or he could look like the guy from Power Rangers. Truth. I was thinking, I want to go this route, uh, how Invader Zim is just like the little alien. You have the two like overlord guys that are like giant, have humongous heads. I was thinking, well, maybe... They're the giant head because their their brain is bigger. They're like the the overlord or something. Mm, right, right. Giant head in the sense that they've got a big brain. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So you did mention how they sit out on the roof every night and they look at the stars. And the one thing I just wanted to say 
because I've always thought this. First off, I'm always jealous. Like, I'm afraid of heights, but there's something so appealing about sitting out on a roof and just, like, hanging out. Like, that just seems like a really good time. Like, it's it's worth conquering my fear of heights if it means I get to, like, hang out on a roof, you know? There's just something about it. But what it always reminded me of is that one scene in the Monster Squad where the main kid's parents go to therapy and when they come home, the dad brings the kid uh, like a cheeseburger and some fries. But the kid's actually sitting on his roof with some binoculars, looking out and watching the the drive-in movie. He's watching like Attack of the Mole People or whatever it's called. And and they end up just watching a movie with binoculars uh, sitting on their roof. So that's kind of why I love this because I always love that one scene. Like it's so small and insignificant, but it sort of like formed this whole idea of what hanging out could be when I was a kid. Like, oh, you could hang out on a roof. And and seeing them do this in every episode conjures up that same feeling at the end. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, I, I want to get back out on a roof. Totally. Yeah, that's, that's one of the best scenes ever. Perfect summer vibes, by the way. I can't wait to get back to summer. <laughs> I'm fucking hey, over don't this rush cold, it. bro. Don't rush it. We've got three months of gray <sighs> skies left, okay, buddy? You got to savor it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like we've already had like a thousand months of gray skies already over it. But anyways, <laughs> if you haven't watched this at all before, definitely check it out. It's not streaming for free anywhere, unfortunately. Um, you can... I believe buy it on Amazon Plus and you can get it on Vudu. So definitely check out Third Rock from the Sun if you haven't before. Invader Zim. Yes! It is I! Evil alien soldier disguised as one of us. Ah! No! I'm switching people's mail around. I'm reading someone's newspaper. I don't pay for a subscription. <laughs> Zim, we thought you were dead. Could a dead Zim do this? Okay, so when you were talking about Third Rock from the Sun, you mentioned Invader Zim, which is funny because that's actually my pick right now. Invader Zim, <laughs> right now. I don't know that. Not very is smooth, it right but now? That, it's right now. It is. It right is now. right now. <laughs> right now, it is your pick right now. Well, right yeah, now, no. I can't wait to hear about it. Right now. Uh, I mean, I don't even know where to begin with Invader Zim. I just have such a long history with this show and eventually comic book mm-hmm. um and i've i've just loved it since it debuted all the way back in 2001 so it was created by jonan vasquez i believe i'm saying that right i never know how to say his name but he I'd created say that's about right yeah. that's about right uh so he created some other comics before this johnny the homicidal maniac that's where it all started i believe did squee. He do squee. I was going to say, he did Squee, right? He did right? Squee. And thought. Squee, I believe, was a spinoff of Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Yeah. Um, and eventually got to another one, which I haven't actually dipped into yet, called I Feel Sick. But I've heard good things about that. And honestly, good things about all three of those. Uh, if you haven't checked out Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, please do. It's just... He was, he was writing it when he was a teenager... Um, you'll like this because we haven't mentioned Ninja Turtles yet. We always have to. Uh, I guess that's where he took his main inspiration when he was a teenager. He was just really inspired by the um, 
indie writing and art and direction of the original Ninja Turtles run. And that's what really, really inspired him to start writing comics and drawing. And that's eventually what led to Invader Zim. So once again, you have the Turtles to thank for something else in pop culture. Absolutely. Wow. I had no idea. It's kind of funny because in his artwork in those old comics, you can really sort of Oh, yeah. see some influences specifically yep. because they're they're done in black and white just black like the white. original turtles mm-hmm. comics were as well um but yeah this isn't the johnny the homicidal maniac or squeeze show this is the alien show so eventually once he he got all that uh you know out of his system th- that was his stepping stones to his big big creation invader zim invader zim is a weird one because I love it, but I had a love-hate relationship with it thanks to uh, Hot Topic back in the day. Oh, Jesus, yeah. I think you know where I'm going with it. So, oh, yeah. Invader Zim, it's all about a little green alien who's here with his robot, Gur, uh, his sidekick, and he's here for one simple reason, to conquer Earth. Um, basically, you find out that the two uh, big emperor aliens, I, I can't remember what they're called, but... They send Zim on a special mission to conquer Earth, mainly because they know that he'll never be able to do it. He's just the annoying alien and, like, the least capable alien in all of their fleet. So they're just trying to get rid of him so that he doesn't bother them anymore. So that's the whole premise. That's why he's here. And when he's here, he's trying to blend in at school. Uh, he, He goes to elementary school. He's trying to get information on the human race and how to how to beat us at our own game how to conquer us he's got his little schoolboy uniform that he wears to blend in though he, he always looks like an alien even when he has his contacts in and and eventually he he makes his arch nemesis uh dib who apparently is the only person the only human in the city who recognizes that Zim is clearly an alien for for whatever reason, and nobody believes him. Actually, the only person that believes Dib is his sister, but she just doesn't care. So she's just telling him that he's being annoying and he needs to drop it and be a normal person type of thing. So, hot topic. What's so your beef with topic. them? Is it the fact that they hoard fucking invaders Zim out to the fullest, or is it that they only focused on fucking Gur, the robot? Yeah, a little of both, honestly. Because, <laughs> you know, Gurr was kind of like the le- my least favorite part of the show. Because, man, oh, yeah. he, he yeah. does get annoying pretty quick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I don't really trust people who think that he isn't annoying. But, yeah. Um, so my love-hate relationship came from the fact that I love the show. I love the artwork. I love everything about it. But that cringe early to mid-2000s Hot Topic crowd latched onto it hot topic realized that they were latching onto it and fed into it so it Mm -hmm. it got really hard to find any good invader zim merch because it was it always had like a level of cringe to it and then just started more and more getting attached to mm, people that more or less annoyed me when i was going to school you know so it almost turned invader zim into this thing that i was ashamed to like for a little bit uh, which that's totally on me. Everybody's allowed to like it. Everybody's allowed to, you know, like it how they want and buy merch and whatever else. But it kind of had a little bit of an image problem for a while, I think, personally. 
Oh no, I totally get it. And you you tend to start disliking something when it feels like a big secret for you, and then all of a sudden everybody else likes it, but you feel like it's for the wrong reasons. It's like yeah, exactly. it's just, just kind of ruined my whole mood about it. And I'm glad that you said when it feels like a big secret to you, because Invader mm-hmm. Zim did feel like a big secret. Because oh, yeah. as most of us know, Nickelodeon was terrible to Invader Zim and its cast and its crew. They would air things out of order. They would change up the dates that it was supposed to air. So you never really knew when it was coming on. It just was getting the shaft for the only reason I can think is because it seemed like a little bit less kid friendly than what was super popular at the time, which was SpongeBob and eventually things like, my Life as a Teenage Robot and Danny Phantom. It just seemed like Nickelodeon was going in a in a different direction. And Invader Zim would have benefited if it had been made five or six years earlier than it actually was. I do think Invader Zim would have flourished and been way better off had it been on a different network. Say, Cartoon Network? Cartoon Network would have... Oh, yeah, absolutely. I feel like it would have thrived there. Hell, I'll even go... One step further, same company, but maybe MTV? Maybe? Oh, it could have worked on MTV. Because they, they did that Spider-Man one for a bit on MTV. You remember that? Yeah, the weird CGI one. With yeah. With like Drake strange, Bell but... as Spider-Man, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a what a weird time that was, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so Zim was voiced by Richard Horvitz, uh, which he's done a lot of work, but he's also a character in one of my favorite summer movies, which we mentioned before, Summer School. He's the nerdy little preppy kid in that. And it's interesting because Richard Horvitz's real voice is just Zim. So I hope to meet this guy one day because it (laughs) it will just be like having a conversation with Zim. And and I love that. So um, aside from that, They've just got a lot of comics, like I mentioned, Invader Zim comics, which are great. And a couple of years ago, they actually adapted those comics, at least for part of the story, into one big old Netflix movie called Enter the Florpus, which, if you haven't seen it, is excellent. They're fattening us up so they can eat us! Oh, oh come on, Lee. Uh, Humans, you have stopped eating. Blinking, you big, stupid space creature. Nobody, but nobody eats the Simpsons. I beg your pardon? Don't play dumb with me. We found your book. Uh, You mean this? (laughs) It's a harmless cookbook. It's just a little dusty. All right, my next pick has to go out to Kang and Kodos from The Simpsons. Now, I know you're very familiar with these two. I am. I am. And you know what? It's really interesting with Kang and Kodos because they grew on me. I remember when I first really got obsessed with The Simpsons. And of course, I fell in love with the Treehouse of Horror series. They were consistently my least favorite part of Treehouse of Horror when I was a kid. Oh, no shit. And over time, they've grown on me and I like understand it. And now I love them. It's just weird how... As a kid, I had some um, certain things against aliens, I guess, between Coneheads and Kang and Kodos. I don't know what my issue was. <laughs> you had a beef? You had a beef with them? Yeah, I had I had a beef, yeah. Oh, man, not a beef. You don't want to be having no beef with some some aliens, especially these ones, these 
green perpetually drooling sharp-toothed octopus like glass domed aliens <laughs> like i guess that's how you describe them that's that's accurate that's that's pretty yeah. spot on yeah that's exactly what they are i never understood the drool like they're just always drooling but it's it's funny i don't know i get it i mean they're they're like wet and gross you know like yeah. an octopus so i guess if an octopus had to talk they'd probably be spewing all of their sure gross juices all over the place you know so there are more aliens. There's not just Kang and Kodos. Like there's uh, Serac, the preparer, and um, what the other one. To be fair, he'd have to cut out your tongue to be able to pronounce his name. So all right, yeah. So best to not even know what his name is. Yeah, uh, but Kang and Kodos, they seem to be the ones in the spotlight when it comes to any alien stuff in The Simpsons. These guys are amazing for two reasons. One, by design. I love their design. I think they look really awesome. Uh, definitely, I would say, a pretty original depiction. I haven't really seen any other aliens that have this octopus look to them. I'm sure there is, but... Not quite that way, though. Yeah, they've right, just got those yeah. giant heads, the big old mouth, and one single eye. It's just very matte graining, you know? He, oh, yeah. He looks like if um, Layla from Futurama went wrong. <laughs> You know, stepped in something that she shouldn't have. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. just a little, a little bit of ooze. And I love the uh, the domes, the glass domes over their heads. I think that's a great touch. Yeah, they just seem very impractical. Like you, you knock that yeah. against the wrong thing, they're just gonna shatter. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And two, they are perpetually ingrained in Halloween. Their first appearance was in Treehouse of Horror from season two. That was the first se- the first Treehouse of Horror, right? Right. Yep. Exactly. When yeah. Homer gets sucked up into the uh, into the spaceship, and then the rest of the tracker beams. Yeah. yeah. And they appear on every single one. So that's, that's we're up to like what thirty, thirty two. I don't know, somewhere in between there. I think we just hit thirty one last year, 31? if I'm not mistaken. I believe. Okay. Yeah. See, now it's it's great that you bring it up that they're perpetually ingrained in Halloween because I mm-hmm. think and go with me on this i think that's why i wasn't crazy about them when i was growing up because when i was a kid i had these very um very set in my ways about what i thought or how i thought things should be i mean nothing's changed obviously like you know again with me watching the shining only when it snows and things like that so but what you're saying is aliens aren't halloween aren't halloween (laughs) but now i get it and i'm okay with it but when i was a kid i was like it should be like vampires and zombies and frankenstein fucking jack-o'-lanterns and bats not and it always felt weird when aliens yeah. popped up, no matter what aliens it was at Halloween, because that, to me, at that point in time, didn't feel like it was very Halloween. But now I'm very accepting of it. You know, I, I can vibe with that because we, uh, you know, everybody knows that we do our Halloween uh, yard haunt every year. I actually was suggested by someone to do a, uh, a uh, an alien setup, and I was just like, no, <laughs> but like, <laughs> I I could see it. I could see it. Like, I I think it would be cool, but I don't ultimately think that it screams Halloween either. But now I see how it fits, like the sci-fi aspect of 
Halloween. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It, it, It fits. And especially now that you've had 30 years of these characters popping up at Halloween, it sort of conditions you a little bit to be more accepting of that idea. I think probably my favorite appearance of them is within that first Halloween uh, Treehouse of Horror episode where they were the second segment out of three, Hungry Are the Damned, I believe it's called. So there's these aliens, they're from Rigel 4, they speak Rigelian, which just happens to be coincidentally exactly like the English language. The Simpsons, they're having... Well, they're doing like a barbecue or whatever in their yard and these aliens come down, they abduct them. It's really funny. They, uh, they, each one of them gets sucked up into the tractor beam and it takes two tractor beams to suck up Homer Simpson. And he's just <laughs> yeah, like, he's so fat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> the story goes that Kang and Kodos want to take the Simpsons to their home planet, Rigel 4, for some epic feast. And we're not certain throughout the entire episode if that means they're going to take them there for like a big buffet or if they're going to take them there and they're going to be the buffet. There's right. a lot of like back and forth jokes throughout the entire time. So they're feeding the Simpsons a whole bunch of food and it seems like they're fattening them up and they're drooling the whole time and like looking at the Simpsons as they eat and they're weighing like they weigh Homer Simpson and they're like, oh, damn, like, yeah, good job. <laughs> and uh at one point, Lisa finds this cookbook in their kitchen, and it's like, how to cook humans? But then one of the aliens comes out, and he's like, oh, no, 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 wait, there's some space dust. And he blows it off, and it says, how to cook for humans. And this goes back and forth. I think the second part, it's like, how to cook 40 humans. 40 and then it's humans. like, how to cook for 40 humans. And <laughs> eventually, the jokes stop, and the uh, the aliens are like, wait a minute, you guys thought we were going to eat you? Like, we're offended and we, we don't care about taking you to our awesome planet or anything for this big buffet. We're just going to take you back and just kind of ruins the whole moment. I just like how at the end they're they're like shaming the Simpsons for not having <laughs> trust in them. And, and they're like, you would have been treated like gods on our planet, but you'll never yeah. know what mm-hmm. that's like because you blew it. And then yeah, Marge is pretty like, much. you don't have to be so rude. <laughs> Something like that. Um, my favorite thing about this episode is that we find out that they have computer entertainment games and it's literally just a big giant pong and Marge and Homer make fun of the pong. (laughs) And then they also, uh, ask the Simpsons, ask the aliens why they were fattening them up. And they're like, we weren't trying to fatten you up. We were trying to give you food and sustenance. And quite frankly, you made pigs of yourself. (laughs) You just kept eating and eating and eating. Mm -hmm. I love when he gives him the remote control for the TV and he's like, oh, yeah, we have thousands and thousands of channels. And Bart's like, well, do you have HBO? He's like, no, that would cost extra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, great, great episode, great segment. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. The other King Coda's part that I, I've always loved is just when they come down and they um, they actually do enslave the planet and they're they're running for office, so to speak, you know. It's oh yeah, like, yeah. You got to vote for King or for Kodos, and then yep. that joke at the end when they're just you know doing slave labor, and Homer says, "Don't blame me, I voted for Kodos." <laughs> you know what's funny? I'm glad you said that because there's a band that actually names themselves I V for K. I voted for Kodos. Oh, they were a ska awesome. band back in like 2001. Oh, you're speaking my language now. Dude, Simpsons, yeah. Kang and Kodos, ska band. Mm-hmm. I'm there, brother. Absolutely. So, uh, shout out to I V for K. 
too bad you guys aren't around anymore. <laughs> oh, we should we should get the gang back together and have them re-record our intro just for this episode. Ah, oh, I'm gonna get them on. I'm gonna You're get gonna them on do phone it. right now. <laughs> You're gonna do it. <laughs> dude, where's my car? Where's your car, dude? Dude, where's my car? Where's your car, dude? Dude, where's my car? Where's your car, dude? Did I drive last night? Ah, I think so. Really? I'm not sure. <laughs> dude, where's your car? <laughs> dude, it's not funny, dude. The car is gone. <laughs> yeah. Dude, where's my car? Oh, shit, dude. When did you get a tattoo? Oh, I must have got one last night. Oh, my God, you got one, too. What? What's it say? Oh, sweet. <laughs> what does mine say? Dude. Wow, what's mine say? Sweet, what does mine say? Dude, what's mine say? Sweet, what does mine say? Dude, what does mine say? Sweet! (laughs) (laughs) If you couldn't tell, and if you've never seen it, my last pick of the evening is from Dude, Where's My Car? That classic... Uh, Buddy Stoner comedy starring Ashton Kutcher and Sean William Scott from the futuristic year of 2000. (laughs) Yeah. I just want to point out, we said at the beginning of the show that there was a lot of aliens out there that we know about, but we can't just think of right at the top of our heads. This, for me, is the ultimate one, I feel like. Like, I haven't watched this movie in so long that I actually forgot there was aliens. Like, the whole plot pretty much around aliens and oh, yeah. I forgot about it. It's funny because I am the opposite. I okay. feel like I watch this movie at least once a year at this point. Nice. And you said, hey, we're going to do an alien show. And I said, I called Dude, Where's My Car? And you said, <laughs> oh, shit, that does have aliens in it, doesn't it? it? Does. Oh, that's going to be yep. a good pick. <laughs> yeah. Great pick. So, uh, I mean, I'm assuming you guys have all seen this movie. Like, this was one of the... I'll call it like a sleeper hit back in the day because I, I was actually reading an article the other day about Napoleon Dynamite. And in the comments, people were going off and they were saying like, yeah, in the 2000s, comedy movies were different because that was like our memes. You would watch something oh, yeah. like Napoleon Dynamite or, you know, you might be referencing Ace Ventura or something like that older where – Everybody has seen this movie. Like we can't say the same about about comedy movies every anymore because they like they don't exist. Like not the way that they yeah. used to. Where not at all. A comedy movie would get released into theaters and everybody would go see it. Kids yeah. and adults, and especially the adults because it was like the water cooler thing, right? Like that's why oh, yeah. Borat is the big joke, the my wife because everybody and their brother went out to see Borat when it came out. And they would hang around the water cooler or they would show up in the office and they would just quote Borat. But that's what you did back in the day. You'd see these movies so that you could watch it and laugh, but also quote it for everybody forever. Because you would just say a quote and just assume that everybody had seen it. And that's how you would break the ice or that's how you would, you know, make a fast friend. Whatever it might be. Um, And Dude, Where's My Car was sort of the epitome of that at that point in time. I think I was in first grade when it came out, so I didn't see it right when it came out, but I knew about this movie. I knew all the jokes from this movie years before I had ever even actually popped it in for myself because 
it became that big cultural comedy movie at that point in time. Yeah, this is a good one. I remember uh, my brother brought this home. He, I think, oh, I don't remember if he worked at this VHS shop or if he just stopped there often. I really don't remember. But uh, he brought this home, and I remember hearing kids at school talking about this movie, and I was like, oh, we'll watch it. And had no idea it was going to be one of the best fucking movies ever. Like, oh, man, Aston Kutcher and, oh, man, what's Sean fucking... Yeah, Stifler. Sean William Scott. Sean William Scott. Like, I just, I miss any comedy with Sean William Scott in it, to be honest. And to put Aston Kutcher with him, like... That was a match made in heaven. It really was. So this was at the time when, again, we just mentioned it, but American Pie. That was like yes. the hottest thing going, and so mm-hmm. wasn't that 70s show. So to take two of like the most iconic, goofy actors from those respective series and mash them together in one stoner comedy, and what I can only describe as a way less smart, a way more dumbed-down version of Wayne's World – uh, it's just Perfect. a recipe for success. A very, very quotable movie too, by the way. Like every inch of that movie is quotable. <laughs> Shibby. Dude, sweet. Dude. Where's dude, my sweet. car? Yep. Zoltan. And then. And then. And then. And then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, so we already mentioned it. Jesse and Chester are played by Sean William Scott and Ashton Kutcher and their girlfriends, the twins. Wilma and Wanda, one of them is Joey Tribbiani's youngest sister. You'll forgive me. I've forgotten her name. But Jennifer Garner is the other one, which is kind of crazy that she pops up in in, in a movie this stupid, you know, because you yeah. forget that Jennifer Garner wasn't always like an A-list celebrity. And neither was Ben True. Affleck, to, to be fair, um, before their relationship. But either way, yes, yeah, super quotable movie. And it all starts because the two of them got super wasted the night before and they threw a party at their girlfriend's house, the twins' house, and totally wrecked the house. They wake up. It's their anniversary. So they go to hop in the car to drive over to the girl's house to help clean up and give them their anniversary presents, only to find out that the car is missing. Hence, dude, where's my car? So the whole movie just keeps playing out. And because they were wasted and blackout drunk the night before, they keep finding out things that they did the night before until eventually it all crescendos at the end when we find out that people that they've met along the way, like uh, these five hot alien chicks or, well, at the time we don't realize that they're aliens, but these five hot chicks turn out to be aliens. Uh, They run into a cult who abducts them and tries to get them on board. The cult of Zoltan. They all wear bubble... Yeah, Zoltan. Zoltan. Uh, <laughs> we are both doing the Z. Uh, they're wearing bubble wrap suits and they're going to get, you know, beamed up, basically. Um, they run into these two Norwegian dudes who keep asking for the continuum transfunctioner throughout the whole movie. <laughs> There's like Stop buff us. <laughs> so by the end of the movie, uh, everybody, the cult of Zoltan, the five hot alien girls, the Norwegian guys, Jesse and Chester both end up at Captain Stew's Space-O-Rama, which is an arcade and mini golf all in one. They got batting cage, everything. It's just one of those big old fun places. And it all sort of comes to a head there. And we find out that the Continuum Transfuncture uh, was actually with Jesse and Chester all along. And it had been in their pocket of their nice new Adidas tracksuits because that was the style of the time. Yes. <laughs> the corn style, if you will. Yeah, John Davis. And so the Rubik's Cube 
Uh, he finally cracks it, and that turns into the real continuum transfunctioner. The lights start blinking, five lights, and if they don't turn it off and give the continuum transfunctioner to the right people, the whole universe will be destroyed. So, the alien part, well, where does that come in? Well, there's actually two sets of aliens in the movies. It's the five hot chicks and the two Norwegian dudes. So, now they're trying to figure out which one is the real uh, protector of the continuum transfunctioner and which one is out to destroy the universe. Spoiler alert, it turns out to be the five hot chicks who morph into one giant hot chick who's trying <laughs> oh, shit. to destroy about that part. Everything. So basically, they figure out the two Norwegian dudes are the protectors. They give it to him. They destroy the big giant alien. End scene. They wake up the next day, and the aliens have basically fixed all the mistakes that happened the night before. The house is cleaned up. They have good gifts for their girlfriends uh, for the anniversary. And then it ends by the aliens somehow using their alien magic making the twins' boobs a hell of a lot bigger. <laughs> so oh, yeah. just yeah. something, uh, an ending that you could only get away with in the early 2000s or late 90s. And uh, it just all works so spectacularly well, man. Okay, you jogged my memory with the uh, the five or six alien women that all turn into the giant woman, the little kid and the dad. I want to ride that, daddy. Oh, Me too, God. son. Me too. I hate that line <laughs> so much. It's so gross. Completely <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Um, and then I just wanted to comment on the arcade. I could totally see myself hanging out there and playing like a, a big stand-up version of Parappa the Rapper. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. So I, I was actually at a Dave & Buster's last okay. night, believe it or not. And oh, Nice. Arcades just aren't what they used to be. They're still no. fun. I'm not going to say that they're not fun, but everything is like a screen game now, but like mm-hmm. a big, big screen game. Like like yeah. literally take a 70-inch TV, flip it on its side, yep. and now I'm playing a blown-up version of, of an app that I can get on my phone for free, but I'm yeah. paying money to get tickets to play it. Like Cut the Rope was there. Doodle Jump was there last night. And so just looking back at the arcade and Dude, Where's My Car? That's my sweet spot for an arcade mm-hmm. where they still have some of like the old 3D games, Dance Dance Revolution, like the old uh, motorcycle games where you'd get on an actual motorcycle and lean from side to side. They have a lot of stuff like that. Skee-ball, obviously. But sweet spot. It's just the perfect arcade in that movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this is planet Earth. Hmm. Now let's see what the travel guide has to say about this strange place. Don't drink the H2O, yes. Tip all waiters 15% and be sure to compliment Earthlings on their pets. Oh, hello there. That certainly is a cute pet you have. Does she bite? All in right there. All right, guys. I'm grimy, so of course... I'm going to talk about turtles at one point. Why not be my last pick? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can't say I'm surprised by this, but it's a very interesting pick nonetheless. I really really did like this. You made me watch this episode. Yeah. So when it comes to Ninja Turtles and aliens, there are so many different aliens in the whole turtle verse, I guess you can call it, like between Mirage Comics and Image Comics and IDW. And then you have the 87 cartoon and video games and toys. 
there are aliens galore, okay? So I didn't want to just give you like Krang. I didn't just want to say something easy like Utrams or even neutrinos, which we could obviously touch on later. But like for the first time here with this episode, I wanted to talk about one that maybe people aren't aware of. Uh, a lot of fans are claiming right now. So I don't know if you've followed anything that NECA has been doing with like their turtles line, uh, specifically the 87 cartoon line. Uh, I, I basically see what I see at target and that's my extent okay. of following it. Well, I have almost everything here that they've done so far with that line. And it's like an entire wall. So most of the fans are like, well, they got most of the main characters out. They're just scraping the bottom of the barrel now. But the thing that most of these fans don't know is how far down this fucking barrel exactly goes. There's a lot of scraping to do. Like, I just bought the uh, the DVD not too long ago, the set of the 87 cartoon. And mm-hmm. every single time I pop one in, there's a new character. And these characters, for instance... I've never heard of until like just last week. And that is the Polarisoids from the episodes Camera Bugged and Welcome Back Polarisoids. Now, have you heard of the Polarisoids before yesterday? Nope, not at all. I I was actually looking at how it's spelled when you typed it out to me. I'm like, he must have spelled something wrong here. It's just such a weird name and they're kind of weird characters, but... They are endearing, I will give you that. They do appear in two episodes, so I'll talk mainly about Camera Bugged, the first episode that they appear in. The Turtles, they're all doing this kind of exercise thing with Splinter, where Splinter asks them to attack him, and they all fail. He beats the fuck out of all of them, basically, and he's like, okay... None of you guys broke through my defense. What's going on? And Michelangelo speaks up. He's like, well, I don't know. Maybe we could use a vacation. And Splinter kind of goes along with it. And he's like, yeah, all right, we'll give you the vacation. And we'll, you know, come back to this, whatever. Cuts to the scene of this purple, like, hot rod spaceship car thing that's just kind of coming towards planet Earth. And this little, I don't know, like a vessel pops down in a random park in New York and out comes this like skinny fat blue alien and his name is Fripp. And he's got like, a, you, you know, very touristy looking kind of thing. He's got the, the button up Hawaiian looking shirt kind of thing going on. Love it. Um, and he comes with this camera. It's a Polarisoid camera. And the thing about the Polarisoids and even Krang, when we cut to the scene and go to Krang, he describes them as obnoxious tourists. Meaning that their camera, when they shoot an image, it captures whatever they shot. So, like, he's going around, he's taking uh, images of, like, Confederate statues, and it, it just gets sucked into his camera. He took a picture of a police officer, he gets sucked up too, and he's just having a blast. You know what type of music plays when the villains come out on Turtles cartoons, and that's what's playing the whole time. So you're thinking he's like a villain, but he's really just kind of this... I don't know, means well, but kind of a nuisance type character. And he's going around and taking pictures of different monuments and stuff in New York City, and they all get sucked up into his camera. And so Shredder and Krang, they get the idea of stealing the camera, 
you guys can all understand why that would be beneficial to those two characters. And it's really funny how Shredder goes along with trying to steal the camera. I don't know if you got to that part or not. He grabs a hot dog stand and he is fucking plummeting at Fripp with his hot dog stand. And he's like in the weirdest New York accent ever. He's like, get your hot dogs, get them while they're red hot. (laughs) And he's like, Oh, you're taking pictures of stuff. Why don't we take pictures of some uh, human beings? He's like, I got two of them right here. And Bebop and Rocksteady pop out of this hot dog stand and they steal the camera. So, yeah, that's how that episode goes. And you can you can kind of tell what was going to happen next. Um, Later, there's another episode. It's called Welcome Back Polarisoids. We meet Fripp with his family, his wife, Millimeter, and then the twin kids, F-Stop and Say Cheese. Awesome names. <laughs> Fucking love both of those. Oh, they're just having a blast naming these characters. Yeah. Krang and Shredder, they invite the Polarisoids back, but they disguise themselves as the turtles. So they think the turtles are inviting them to the, the sewer layer or whatever to come and like have a vacation spot there. Um, in general, the Polarisoids, they seem to be pretty well-intentioned, aside from trapping monuments with their camera, which they, like, realize later isn't such a good idea. Uh, the two little kids are just shitheads, which, I mean, you know, there's always a shithead little kid in a cartoon series, so that's them. Uh, I, I really, I like these aliens a lot. It's a very different depiction. It's typical 90s TMNT stuff. Their fashion is kind of all over the place. They're all wearing the Hawaiian, very colorful Hawaiian style t-shirts. And, you know, they just want to have a good vacation and things just get fucked up every time they try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they kind of have um a cousin Eddie in his family thing going oh, on, you know, totally. they've, yeah. they're just always a tourist for some reason, even if they aren't a tourist and yeah, they're just fucking things up every, every, every time they turn a corner basically. And I just want to say the dad Polarisoid, I love his voice. Um, we were talking because about he talks earlier. like this. Yeah. He sort of <laughs> talks like this. <laughs> and we were trying to place it with like, so please, if you're listening to this, and you either know these episodes or if you don't, go watch one of these episodes. They're both on YouTube right now, so you can watch it free. Listen to the dad and how he talks. Again, he thought of talks like this. <laughs> we were like, what is that voice? We can't place it. Like, it almost sort of sounds like Charlie in the box from Rudolph. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, but not exactly. Like, the voice is is definitely a different cartoon character. We just can't place it. So please go watch it. Or if you know, just like leave a comment on some of our social media or <clears throat> send a message in the in the pizza club over on Facebook, something. Like I am dying to know what character that also is because it's somebody we just don't know who it is. I'll show you how to handle these crank calls. Channel 6 News. What's that? City Hall has disappeared. What are you, some kind of wise guy? Uh, Yes, Mr. Mayor. Right away, Mr. Mayor. Uh, Wrong number. Well, Grimy, I really enjoyed this episode. (laughs) Well, did you? Well, that's well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I really, I loved it. I, I know, I, I know that you did too. We're having a really good time over here. Like eight great aliens that we mentioned, but there's so many more that we didn't get oh. to that just seem like 
such like you mentioned E.T. partway through the show. And I was like, how the fuck did mm-hmm. I not think to bring up E.T. in this show? You know, yep. but I don't know. Maybe there's an opportunity in the future if you guys like this one, like we mentioned before, to talk E.T. or X-Files, Eiffel 65, Galaxy Quest. You even mentioned at Ooh, a certain Galaxy point. Quest. You know, uh, or games like Space Channel 5, Men in Black. Okay. I, I I love my Men in Black. So there, there's mm-hmm. just so many more aliens that we could talk about. And, you know, if the interest is there, maybe maybe we'll do a part two. Or if we're really jonesing, maybe we'll mention them on an upcoming Patreon bonus show. Yeah, the Patreon bonus. That's a great idea. So, yeah, anybody who doesn't know already, we are indeed on Patreon. Tiers starting at $1. You can get yourself a couple of exclusive articles that will not be featured anywhere else. Three bucks will get you one sweet bonus show a month. Yep, that's right. Three bucks for a bonus show, one dollar if you just want to read the articles. Grimy just did a really great article about some old expired foods that he found in his basement that are discontinued, like Butterfinger BBs and the Hubba Bubba Bubble Jug. So if you want to look at some cool pictures and read a nice exclusive article, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash leftover pizza club. Either one or three dollars a month. It's not going to break the bank, but you're supporting the show and you're helping us keep uh, pushing on and and make more full episodes. So just think about that. $3 a month, you get a bonus episode in addition to the two full free episodes that we've been putting out for going on two years at this point. So if you like us and you think we're worth it, it's there. And there are other ways that you could support us too, like reviewing us on Apple or whatever app that you're using, subscribing, all that little stuff helps us quite a bit, and more than you probably know. Oh yeah, there's a lot of you out there. We can see the numbers who listen to us but aren't subscribed. If you subscribe, all you're doing is getting notified that we have a new show out. That's kind of helpful, right? But yeah. I get it. Maybe you, uh, you know, you're following us on our social media over at Leftover Pizza Podcasts on Instagram and TikTok or Leftover Pizza Club on Twitter, where we do announce our new shows. And maybe you're finding out that way. And if you're not following us there, I mean, what are you doing, man? Come on. It's free. And we post up pretty pictures all the time. We do have a website, leftoverpizzaclub.com. Free articles, merch, all kinds of other good stuff. If you haven't hit there before... Do yourself a favor. Click that link. Go check some stuff out. Hell yeah. But with that, get yourself a free sticker over at the Leftover Pizza Club on Facebook. And I am out. I'm Derek. And I'm Grimy. And you have just listened to the Leftover Pizza Podcast. Thank you and good night. (laughs) Nanu Nanu and all that alien junk. Am I right? E.T. Fun. (coughs) Shut up, penis breath. (laughs) Penis breath. (laughs) I'm blue.